Summer Mix, you're listening to another, uh, one of the last 500s episodes hmm. of the Shop Talk Show. I'm Dave in the Shed. Rupert with me is Chris in the booth. Claire, how are you doing, Chris? You're looking mighty 2024 right now. You're, oh, you're thanks. looking good. Yeah, yeah, I feel so much different. Yeah, when the year flips over, man, my brain does a 180. I'm a different man. Yeah, hold on here. I got somebody coming in. Oh. <laughs> I'm Neil deGrasse Tyson, total fucking buzzkill. Uh, <laughs> you just went around the sun, and it doesn't matter. It's just whatever, cosmic radiation, blah, blah, blah. Oh, thanks, Neil. Get out of here. <laughs> <laughs> Man, that was probably my best one yet. <laughs> <laughs> Woo! Yeah, all right. So yeah, you're right, though. It is the uh, it's a new year, and we're and we're about to hit episode 600. So if you're into milestones, thanks for being here with us during this milestone. Dave had some ideas because we're you know it, it's nice to do something a little bit special on a big round number like 600. It's almost expected, you know, if you find people yeah. out there. So here, here here's one of Dave's ideas. I'll I'll read to you is to ask to imagine the web. In 12 years, I don't know where you got 12. It's a good number. We've though. been 12. on the air for 12 years. So oh, tw- I double 12 times, double it, double it. Yep. Double it. We, we started 12 years ago. Yeah. Like SAS was just coming out. <laughs> like, like it was like still a problem to get SAS on your computer. RWD was kind of hitting. Uh, yeah. I don't, I mean, pretty wild. Yeah. Time. I mean, the number one question was how do you sync a WordPress database to your local machine? Stuff like that. Yeah. Um, interesting. And so now that we're 12 years in, the web feels a lot different. Or does it? You know? Like, it, it's not that people still use SaaS. WordPress is still the most popular CMS out there. It That's interesting to think about because you're like, 12 years. Did you see what happened in AI last year? The web changes tremendously. You know, the bandwidth speed is so much faster. The tooling is so much more advanced. You know, we're typed everywhere you look. There is a lot of significant change, and yet it's not that different. HTML is barely different. Um, so there is a world where you imagine 12 years and you're like, I don't know, it's a little bit like this. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we're still getting lists of items from a database and spitting it out on a page. Right. And then you click those items and you go into a detail view of the page. And then maybe there's a buy button that ticks you into a checkout flow of some kind. It's all this. It's the same thing, right? Same, same, uh, shtick. I don't think you're wrong. I think that's, that's legit. And so I wonder if it's not, you know, like if, if you're going to imagine this one way is to think about like web technology itself, you know, think, think, you know, where we're headed, what take it to extremes, you know, what is, and then another one is like, what is coding like? Is that, that, that could change, but probably more likely is like, what, what happens to devices? Because if it's not just a screen that you touch with your finger, if that changes, then the web tech behind it will change too. Yeah, those have been the biggest shifts, right? Like the biggest input modalities, like, you know, we tap on our screens now. There's not really hover. You you know, we, uh, small screens changed kind of a lot of stuff. Sort of, we still made our websites a lot larger. The average website 
in 2036 uh, will be about five megabytes if I'm following that little chart correctly on HTTP archives. So. Uh, yeah, and, you, and then and then do you think that chart will be right? You know, yeah, is that chart correct? I don't know. So uh, I don't be, know either. It doesn't seem like data. The size of data will change that much. A, a grocery list. 12 years from now will be the same amount of text bytes as it was then. So then so then what would get bigger and what has gotten bigger in the past is jpegs and stuff, you know, like the yeah, the, the density of of your screen, you know, you need a lot more data to show really juicy broccoli mm-hmm. than you did then. Our expectations are higher. That, that'll keep going a little bit, but maybe not amazingly you know like a picture of broccoli on my screen now looks pretty damn good so unless we're talking 3d models and stuff i don't know that that's that's going to be the big the thing that pushes us to five megabytes (laughs) just more javascript well that's i'm just yeah i'd be curious i mean you know there's devices on the horizon you know um a vision Pro, you know, putting on AR headsets and so yeah, something in our eyeballs is gonna is gonna happen, and that's true. Like the the size of that screen, that quote unquote screen that you see with your eyes, is way bigger. Mm-hmm. So maybe if you're shipping giant environments across the wire, that that's the thing that that makes network traffic get that high or higher. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. Interesting. So so what does the web look like in twelve years? What's the what's what's you know predictable what's not you know what are your wildest ones you know if you're like okay if, <laughs> maybe in my heart of hearts i think it it won't be tremendously different but what if you know give us Ooh. your but what ifs and your boring ones we'll, yeah. we'll take whatever so i guess this is the shout out please go to shoptalkshow.com and and just send something in if we get enough good stuff we'll do it we'll do a 12 year episode that would be fun I would prefer to do that if we can. Yeah, no, I think it would be cool to do something like that. I would love to hear what, you know, what's Shop Talk episode 1200? What are we talking about? Or what was going, what is it? What is it like? So what is the web like in 12 years? Send in text or audio. Looking forward to that. We'll ask on social media too. And maybe we'll, we'll send some emails to like really prod people to be like, let's hit it up. Past guests and stuff. Bill Gates. What? Yeah. <laughs> what is the web in 12 years? Tim yeah. Berners Lee. My always worry the- with that is that it's like it's like lazy journalism. You know, you're like you're like I don't want to write this story. You write it for me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In a way. Yeah, but that's okay. Like you know, if you don't feel like it, if you don't have a couple sentences in you, then just don't do it. Don't, you know, don't do it. No, I mean, if you if you, but it, it's I don't know. It's just a moment to reflect here. Or I, I, I'm interested to see where we've been, but I'm, you know, I feel like it's, especially with AI and all this stuff, it's like, where are we going? This is, that's the a big question to me right now. Like where, where's everything going? So kind of a weird year of tech here behind us, but it's just like, what, where, where are we going is a big question. So indeed, you know what I started using a lot more heavily at? It's just a random story that got me here. And I th- I've asked mm-hmm, you about mm-hmm, this before because mm-hmm. you told me that you got your coworkers on this and, and it is the GitHub desktop app. Yeah. I was just, I, you know, it was a, you know, a weird comedy of things that uh, happened to, to, to get me here, including like how GUIs handle stuff like commit hooks and stuff. Mm-hmm. A, a, a commit hook dear listeners if you use them you know what they are if you don't what the deal is before 
you know, you even from the command line, you tip, you know, git commit dash m, you know, updating the user menu or something before you're allowed to do that. Like you can try to do it. Um, but a commit hook will run and it, and, and it could be anything. You tell it what to run. So it could be yarn run test or something. And then if it, only if that command succeeds, are you allowed to do that commit? So it's, it's, it's intentional blockers in the way of running stuff. And it can be great. It could do anything, anything in the world. But most commonly, it's like run prettier. Did it have changes? Well, then you're not allowed to commit this run prettier first please like it like does a prettier check or more the probably the most common is something like js hint or js lint or whatever the popular was es lint is probably the most popular one did you screw up something in your javascript is is there like an unused import or some even a syntax problem or something don't commit that you dork it's preventing you from pushing up dumb crap to the repo that somebody else could pull Great. Now we've established what commit hooks are. Some companies have very elaborate commit hooks. Uh, and it's a little bit like CI, you know, but locally, right? Not, not on a cloud computer. Now, if you're using the command line, it's probably going to work fine because it's going to run those commit hooks in the, in the CLI context that you're already in, which is probably fine and going to work. If you open a GUI app like forks or git tower or git kraken or github desktop or whatever what's the cli context of that app mm-hmm. it's interesting actually it it depends on how you open the app dave you can open an app from a cli you know you can like type a command that's like open this app then then it's like the cli context is where you did that which is interesting if you double click it from the finder then it's somewhere else. No CLI. Yeah, there's like four ways you can do it. And and the CLI is different each time. And it might be like, well, is it using ZSH then or whatever? Or is it Bash? Or what's happening with the with the CLI context that it's going to attempt to run those hooks in? So different apps have different ways of handling this. It's very convoluted. I'll say in Git Tower, which is the one I've used for a million years, you have to kind of give it your 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 path you know, mm-hmm. and I think a lot of people intuitively know what a what a path is, but I find it as a not really like deeply CLI guy. I find path obnoxious. Mm-hmm. You're constantly opening your your Bash profile or your ZSHRC or whatever it is, and p- adding crap to your path so that it like knows where your Rust installation is or your Go stuff or which are you using NVM? You better have that on your path too. Your path is probably full of crap, so it knows where to execute stuff from. You have to like give all that in a weird file to Git Tower so that it knows how to run those and it has weird problems. Somehow, some way, GitHub Desktop is like better at it. Really? It's just like real good at knowing how to run your commit hooks. And so I'm just like, you know what? I'm just going to use this. This is fine. <laughs> oh, uh-oh. GitHub Desktop cannot be opened. Uh, really? Well, you, need a new, well, you, have, you probably haven't opened it in three years or something. Yeah, it's right? been a while, so it's it's not happy with that. It did not did not like that. Um, but uh, I was just gonna see like where it did. It. Um, the yeah, I, I I remember they did something like there. There's kind of like a little like you like click a button I think in the settings or maybe that's on Windows like to like import environment or something like that or or. 
something like that. But anyway, that was, uh, I, I have barely uh, any memory of that. So, yeah. Well, so the, you know, here, and then here's the why, like, I just gave you the most convoluted reason ever of why you would pick this app. Um, do, I do like it good, but there's other really good reasons. One of them is you're on github.com and you're looking at a remote. There's a button on the website. That's like open it in GitHub desktop. That's just easy. It's just nice. Like, good job. You know, that is nice because it's kind of like you, it, it's like a local repo management app. So you're not just like this folder called projects, which is what I have, or I have a projects, demos, and hello world. I'm a friggin' mess over here. So right. Rachel has a, um, uh, development and I was like, she's smart. I should just do it. She does. But, um, but, uh, the, like, uh, the, yeah, like uh, I, you have this basically a, a list, an app that tells you all the repos that are on your system. That's like kind of pretty friggin' cool. You that know? is like, cool, right? And they all go in the same bucket and you know there and then you can delete it and then you can just say clone it again. You know, like, like right. you just zero drama bucketing. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. There's other ones is like then when you're on one of these repos, there's a big button that just says open in VS Code. Because mm-hmm. that's all integrated. So you click that button and guess what? It opens it in VS Code. Ain't that nice? There's another button that says show in Finder. So you jump right there. There's another button that says show on GitHub. And he goes right there. It's like, of course, those are the actions I want to do. How nice is that? Then the the PR view, I think, is very nice too. In the in the one I've been using, Git Tower, for it, I feel I find its PR integration isn't that good, but I live in PRs. There's just constantly PRs. You know, and I think a lot of developers do. If you you can look at a list of them, which is nice, but then it like you just click on one and it moves you to the correct branch of that PR because a PR is always a branch, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I think that's nice. That's just not how it works in, in Tower that well. It's like, oh, if I'm checking out your PR, I, I can go look at it by name, click it and just be right on right on that, ready to preview it. It's just really nice integration with PRs, I think, in a way that I'm not used to. Anyway, there, you know, there's stuff I like and dislike. There's lots of things that I think Git Tower does better. But I found that in switching and like forcing yourself to use software that you're like less familiar with, you know, the longer you do, you're like, oh, this is this has some this is nice a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I, I hope I hope they keep it up because I don't get a sense that it's like they're they're really gunning on this tool. You know, like it, I don't know if it's forgotten or what, but I do think they did a good job with it. So, sort of the biggest innovation with it, they they like overhauled it like completely. I'm like noticing, but like the UI is just a little bit different. But like I I think they changed the rendering engine probably perhaps from like. Uh, but anyway, the the big thing was just fetch. You know, it's it's like human terms. It's like fetch and sync. You know, like which which you mm-hmm. see in VS Code a bit too you have to think about like end users, you know, like what, what are they seeing, experiencing, thinking, you know, like what, what do they see? Um, and how do they operate? You know? So it, it's just very, uh, it's useful is what I want to say. So still a, still a guy really think it's valuable. Forget. And especially that diff view, like right before I, like as I'm committing, I want to be plucking out individual files crafting a little commit, seeing exactly what changed. The number mm-hmm. one th- reason being that I probably forgot a console.log in there. And there, there's another one too that I don't have to then pop over to VS Code. I, right in there, I can like grab that console.log and say discard line. 
mm-hmm. and it'll just remove that line, so I don't have to, you know, go edit the file by hand or remove it or whatever. I think that's nice. Yeah, you can just you can even like drag and select and grab like blocks and just be like, oh, only this block. If you're like trying to like stage commits in a way, yeah, you know, a logical that, like, way, sort of like whatever fake replicate how you worked on it, you know, like so. Anyway, surprised yeah. that I I like it as much as I did. This episode of Shop Talk Show is brought to you in part by Jam. That's jam.dev. Awesome URL. Go to jam.dev slash shop. It's a really clever bug reporting tool, and it's for internally on Teams. It's like imagine you're in Slack with a fellow developer, and they send you a thing like, oh, on the item page, that's like broken or something. You get some, and I'm super guilty of sending this to people I work with. Just thinking in my head, like, oh, well, just go to the item page and look then. You'll see the error, too, if you're on my branch or you've pulled master or whatever. But maybe they don't see it. You know, like that's not enough information. Like what if it was effortless to still be that lazy, (laughs) but also give that other developer all the information they could need to make sure that they can reproduce that bug? Because it's just as easy as taking a screenshot. Like if you see the bug and it's visual in some way, which is that's my job in the world, you drag a screenshot over it in the browser and then you can optionally annotate it, like point at it or write something if you need to or whatever. But you don't even have to do that. But by virtue of you having done it in the browser, you get all this additional information, like all the console output is there. So if there's an error in the console, which is highly likely in a JavaScript application, they'll see that without you having to like remember to screenshot that or copy and paste it or whatever. And the network requests and all the information about the browser that you're in at the moment and version and on what operating system and device and all that stuff. Reproduction steps, you can add comments to it too. But you don't have, you know, what you have to do is just take a screenshot quick and be like, this is a bug. Effortlessly small. What a clever product. And then that becomes the bug report. So check it all out at jam.dev slash shop. I love it. And then in other software, this Zed came out. It sounds like you tried it for 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 a day or two. I'm I'm giving it the college try too. It feels like the yeah. new year t- time to try some new products. This is a code editor. It's a code editor from some people who worked on Atom. Probably still some Atom lovers out there, but Atom has been long discontinued. It was yeah. also under GitHub's purview for a while. But when Microsoft bought GitHub, they're like, oh, we already have a code editor. We have so like, like two B- <laughs> yes, VS Code Big Boy and VS Code. So Adam or... kind of went went by the way. I was never a big Adam user, but I did respect it, you know? Yeah. I liked Adam. I used Adam. Uh, I, I downloaded Zed. Zed's big uh, pitch is it's built with Rust. So therefore, it's blazingly fast. So we all know mm. Zed is blazingly fast, uh, built with Rust, uh, pra- probably packaged by Bun. You know, I, I like, no, I, no, I don't. <laughs> Perhaps. What, what got no. me is uh, the the other pitch is that the creators are also part of the project called Tree Sitter, which doesn't get its name in the sun all that much, but it's a parser. And it's like the parser, Dave. It's like tree sitter's good. This is the thing that you use to parse code in a a Rust project or high high power project. Now let's go. 
Go. All right. Okay. So that, that is funny, isn't it? That the, the apps in Rust, but the parsers in Go. Whatever. They're both high power projects, but yeah, we use the crap out of TreeSitter and the new version of, of of CodePen, and it's just kind of amazing what it's able to do. Of course, that you know that is the real crux of a code editor. It needs to parse code like a baller. Mm-hmm. And the fact that the people behind this are behind a very excellent app and like the powerhouse code parsing tool lends a lot of cre- credibility to it. Now they know they're up against VS Code. So I did find it elegant, the onboarding that was, you know, suggested good key settings. Nothing's that weird. I, I find that my muscle memory is about the same mm-hmm. for this app and others. Very not as refined. Like it's going to take me a minute to to get used to it. I did a find in project and it finds stuff just fine, but then there's no way, like great way to just like jump to the file. I'm like, how did you screw that up? That's weird. You know, like, <laughs> oh yeah. Obviously I'm trying to get to the file that I'm, and, and, and then I'm like opening a GraphQL file and it's not syntax highlighted and you're like, well, what's the plan there? You know, like <laughs> I, I get that you don't have every language under the sun, but like, is there plugins or what? But in the end, I'm finding stuff to not like about it. But overall, I was impressed by it. The fact that it has GitHub Copilot in it, its AI features are really nice. It's got good stuff. Yeah, I, it's that's interesting. It's like very code, uh, VS Code light, in my opinion. But but light in the like light and fast sense. You know, it does feel mm-hmm. like snappy. Um, it does try to like. I just saw it download a language server, like HTML language server. That's cool. I didn't have to like go install some extension from right. Hacker Bob. You know, like that's great. Like I feel like that's good. Um, I, I just hit like I did like Command Shift P or whatever it is. You know, to format. You know, to like format the HTML because I know some indentation was wrong. It like did all the like uh, overly aggressive formatting, but that's fine. Like it did it. It did it. It did a format, and that's like kind of the stuff I need. I could be into this I, I think i'm just not like i think i just need the project or like need to commit to it and like sink into it and use it full time so and see if i am missing something catastrophic you know that's that's my like i don't think i'm missing anything right now in vs code or or, or it's plenty fast you know stuff like that so um i don't know i i Wonder if I'll switch. I, I, it would have to be really good to switch. That's I think we've said that before on the show. Like, a, if a new editor shows up, like, what fe- What's the killer feature that's going to make me switch? You know? Yeah. What is it? That's exactly it, Dave. It's like it, it, I've written about this before. It can't annoy me too much. So my muscle memory needs to hold on a little bit. If it's a thousand percent different, per, just personally, I can't do it. I'm like, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah it is. I, I don't know that I ever will be, but I'm weak. You know, like I, I can't use a new keyboard either. <laughs> <I'm so. weak. laughs> well, I know you all, a lot of people listen to this show are keyboard nerds and y'all have the, the fortitude to just switch something that is literal muscle memory. And I just, I can't do it. I'm too weak. You know, one thing it does have is collab mode, which VS Code has like a live collab server. I have live not share. Yeah, I call. have not used that, um, and I'm not really like in a like <laughs> in a collab mode right now. But you know, maybe that's something. Maybe it it's... hasn't hit for VS Code either. You know, nobody ever talks about that thing. I remember when yeah. it came out; it was a little bit neat. Everybody tried it, and then we went back to doing what we did before. I don't think collab is the the feature that they need here. Do you see the little GIF, though, where you you can select a block of code and then you get a little AI prompt and then you say refactor this piece of code 
in this certain way. I was like, at least that's an interesting take. I haven't seen that one yet. You know, like I, I the, mm, I'm gonna sound old. Ready? Here we go. I don't, I don't get the AI piece of it. Like I, I click the Z button and I get a, a C. It says you are typing and GTP GPT four turbos on. That's the best one. Uh, but what? What is it doing? I don't know what it's doing. I'm like lacking UI or, or like, I don't know what it's trying to get me to do. Uh, that's like, I, I'm maybe it's like just a little scratch pad I can work on that's supposed to have AI, but I just don't see it. I see like some autocomplete or something. Mm. I, I don't, I don't get what's going on with the, um, AI integration. And so if it's supposed to have AI and that's like this killer feature, cool. I don't get it. Like, I don't get what's happening. Maybe I need to watch a video, it. Might, I don't know. It might be though, because otherwise, if you don't have that, if you, if collab isn't going to hit and AI isn't going to hit that, is it just lighter and faster? That's not enough probably. Right. Right. But I say that and I'm like, maybe it, maybe even that doesn't matter. Maybe there are just enough people for this team. I think the team is like 10, Mm-hmm. Maybe that's enough. Maybe you charge a hundred bucks for this thing that you can just be a company forever and that you don't have to be a billion dollar company. It's just not going to be, you know, but maybe it's a, it's a comfortable living. You know, I, I thought, I think of Panics Nova, which mm-hmm. is pretty niche. It's only mm-hmm. for Mac. It has <laughs> FTP built into it, which is enough people probably care about that that's still relevant somehow. And it, you know, they, they modernized it. It has Git stuff in it and, and stuff now, but you don't hear about it that much, mm-hmm. but they still mm-hmm. work on it. So like, I think there is a market for expensive editors. Yeah. I mean, JetBrains, right? Jet, right. I mean, that's like a yeah. big one, but like, yeah, but I they're mean, pretty I, specific to a language, right? Like I mean, Java, that, that kind of makes sense. They, yeah. they have like their new one. That's a little more VS code like, but the, but yeah, um, I, I think, yeah, I, I don't, it would take a lot for me to switch, but, but maybe there's, I, I you know, Dave Rupert, a fan of the indie, indie solutions, you know, so maybe this will be it. Maybe their commitment to a good design here is, uh, is inspiring to me too, that it looks so good. It comes with, it comes with tons of themes, which is like not, you know, the, but, but like they launch you in and they're like, what theme do you want? You know, like the user experience is really right. good. And the sidebar is like, great. It's like very minimalist. It's very, they do little icons. I didn't have to install some icon package, like from yeah. whatever, like that. That's, so there's plenty of good. And it's in, in to, to have this be our day one ish experience, I think is, is encouraging. Good day one, good launch, uh, setup. And, you know, like, you know, I, I just did this thing. Like I go up, it has your little project name in the top left up by the, the close icons. You know, you click that, you go to all your recent projects that you've opened hot dog. That's what I want. I'm yeah. fast switching my projects. That's great. Like mm-hmm. I have this whole key command in VS code. It's like command shift L or what, you know, like, or something like that, that I'd use to, uh, I forget what it is, but it's like new project. And then I do control R or could control R to open recent. And then I use the arrow keys, you know, like they're just like, click that, click the little top, top boy and go to your, find your project, open your favorite, you know? That is an opportunity, I think. Uh, it, VS Code's, I, I've never been able to, you know, when you open a different project in VS Code, it it tends to just replace the one that you have open now, but not always. 
Yeah. And if you want them both open, you have to like, you have to be like, oh yeah, I know VS code is weird about this. So I have to make a new blank window and then open the second project so that it doesn't close the other one. I just think like it's awkward enough that there's room for improvement there. VS code will always, being a Microsoft project, it will always give you infinity options to customize it. Right. And, And that's a chance for any code editor to come through and just be like, we're not Microsoft. You don't get to customize the icons in the sidebar. It's just what it is. You sure. know, like we just do that. You can set a font size. That's fun. But like, <laughs> I don't know, like there, there's opportunity. I feel like, you know, to, to make code editors simple and and simple is not just simple. It's that's less code to start up less memory when you're typing, you know, like it's faster response. It's, a better system. Yeah. Yeah. And like, how's the auto complete? How's the, like, do I, do I want it or not? Like, do you build a, I, I don't know. I mean, the fact that it downloaded a language server for HTML makes me feel like it's going to definitely have it. Cause that's kind of the whole point is that it's helping you write the language and all that. Yeah. But you know, if I, if, uh, certainly people can be annoyed at VS code, you know, if you, if without doing much, you know, you hover over some property or something and you can get like a half page pop-up that's like trying to explain to you what the flex direction property does from online documentation you know you're like ah right away go away you know so a product that doesn't do that might be desirable but then you know then do you end up actually missing it (laughs) secretly somewhere no i don't (laughs) yeah types are overrated no um what david it's 2024 (laughs) you can't be that guy you can't be that guy. Oh uh, yeah, there's types, and then there's like the just the I don't know, just there's helping types, you and then there's by people who like Googling types, it. and those are those are two <laughs> uh, very different things. And I want to do one and not the other. So yeah, that's not. I just open an SCSS file, and it doesn't have uh, syntax highlighting for that either. I'm like, really? That's a that feels like a big language to Ooh, just not have. Yeah. Oh man, let's. Uh, I'm now. I'm curious. So. I always thought plugin architecture would be a, an absolute requirement for any code editor now, knowing how like mm-hmm. VS Code, what do you think the average number of plugins for a VS Code install is? Five, ten? Ten. I mean, I'm at like probably eight, ten, yeah. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, forty, fifty, sixteen, seventeen, eighteen, nineteen, twenty, oh, twenty, ooh. Over 30. Oh, that's embarrassing. They're not all activated, though. And I, I, I'm the type that's like, ooh, I'm going to install that. But no, there's just, uh, they're not, not even, I don't know. I don't even think my 30 is that weird looking up and down this list because there's just a lot of like language specific stuff and CodePen supports a lot of languages that d- doesn't feel that weird to me. But sure, cut it in half, 15. That would be light in my world. Dude, I, I think I have like 50. Oh, really? Uh, but, but it's all, you know, yeah, it's like Astro, you know? and Yeah, exactly. Like, no slant to Astro. Like Astro, why do I need an Astro plugin <laughs> to make a website? You know, like, it, but it's like the Astro specifics, right? It's just for the syntax highlight. I mean, I know they have, they, I'm sure they have all kinds of other crap they do. Oh, IntelliSense, fancy. But really what you want is syntax highlighting for the weird ass dot Astro files. 
Right. But then I, you know, there's just random ones I have, like whatever, like Docker spinner uppers and crud and yeah, all too. themes are themes are plugins. I, I feel like that that should be different, you know. That should they should uh broke those out in the old VS code lane. But yeah, I want I think I have a feeling that they were at one time or something. Lots of Ruby crap I have. Um yeah, and then just little ones like a, you know, better comments. That I, I like I like it so whatever theme I'm in, like a to-do comment is like extra extra intense in a file. That's what that does. It's all kinds of crap. Jeez, you know, and, and it's to be like, okay, so I'm gonna lose all of that when I switch to another code editor. <laughs> That's goodbye. like mm, like they better have extensions, you know. Ideally they're not even support extensions, but ex- ex- support their extensions. Yeah. It it would be hard to start a, a code like editor it's like arc you know they're they're just chrome so they get all chrome extensions right and i mean i feel like that's good for arc you know they can be like you want to do that that's great we're we're just not gonna <laughs> they did move the icons recently but you know you can be like hey let's <laughs> like you want to do that weird plugin that's great uh I'll, if any shop of maniacs are out there i'm looking for a uh, plug-in that makes LinkedIn usable. So if somebody has one <laughs> or a boost or something <laughs> that makes LinkedIn not uh, <laughs> overwhelming and garbagey, that'd be great. Thank you. Appreciate it. That's great. So, oh, was like, how, how do I intro this? There's just a URL. There's this guy that died who is, you know, whatever. Wasn't he like a Berkshire Hathaway super guy. He had, he had a book called Poor Charlie's Almanac that was very famous in the world of invested investment, I think. And for some reason, Stripe Press, like that Stripe, the payment processor Stripe, has like they, they like publish books and stuff. Mm-hmm, yeah. I, an interesting thing, but they have some cool stuff that they don't have produced a web version of Poor Char- Charlie's Almanac, this famous book. And I'll tell you. I don't know who they got to design this thing. It'd be nice to talk to them because they just crushed it. It's so cool. It's just really classy. It's it does it's weird, but it's still readable. It's inviting. It's classy. It's just a hell of a web experience that I, you know, if you haven't seen it at all, I'd encourage you to check it out because it is it's just a little bit like wow. <laughs> you know, like who did you yeah, who did I'm you look- pay to do this? This is fucking great. I looked at it. It's really, you know, it's, it's like over the top, you know, like I got, I got things scrolling, like rolling down. It's kind of cool, but, uh, you know, and it, it even all kind of works on the phone. Some of the stuff gets obscured by the flo- flying images, but it's very cool. It is cool. And then, and then the conversation around it then also inv- is like, so if you were to buy this off of, I don't know, on your Kindle, Mm-hmm. or off the Apple iBook store or whatever, however people read these, it's just going to look like crap, you know? It's just going to be boring as hell. It's just going to, none of this spirit will be there. And why? An ebook is a digital experience. Like, mm-hmm. why are they, like, mandated to be so boring? Now, that that's just the conversation. I'm not sure I 100% agree with that. Like, I think some a format that is intentionally limiting uniform is kind of good maybe right yeah um but i take the point you know for sure for sure oh rebuttal by charles t munger uh i think he showed up in a book i uh read but anyway 
yeah, it's no, this is cool. It even has this Berkshire mode. Did you click that? Did you click Berkshire mode? Everybody <laughs> told bottom? me to click it and then I didn't click it. Click, How do you click it? Click, Where is it? It's at the bottom right. Bottom oh, right, Berkshire. Bottom right. Oh, and then it gets super boring. It goes like straight <laughs> web one. Like, <laughs> yeah, Just, that's great. Oh, uh, good. It should have that, you know? And it has that's a Geico cool. ad at the bottom. That's funny. Um, <laughs> does it seriously? Yeah, it, no, does. it does. Way to go, Geico. Holy cow. <laughs> Why did that make the See, cut? Geico sponsored my website, sponsored, sponsored the podcast. Uh, people need to sponsor more stuff. Um, yeah. Whoa. Whoa, whoa, whoa. I got a fly- floating guy, but that's fun. Uh, they just got Geico to pay for the whole thing. It's a good way to get, you know, I don't know. Somebody paid for it. So hey, I, I thought Stripe Press was was kind of uh, in trouble. I have like yeah, you three think- or four Stripe Press books uh, behind oh, you me do. here on this shelf. See that stack right there? Beep, boop, beep. That's all Stripe Press. But um they have some really good one. Grab them. All right. We're doing a two book tour, which should be great for the podcast. <laughs> Are you ready? Yeah. Uh, we got, we got, um, uh, this is engineering, um, systems of engineering management An elegant puzzle by Will Larson, which is kind of like about engineering management. It's kind of one of the best books other than kind of a Sarah white cover with our, Oh, yeah. engineering management one. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I would read Sarah's first, or I'm going to, but, uh, but yeah, it's a white cover with a bunch of branches, kind of an old, like a, it looks like a, I should know this plant, but kind of like a, you know, creosote bush or something like, like that. Sage brush. <laughs> sage brush book. Yeah. It's a, yeah. Yeah. Very classy though. You know, very classy. Uh, this one is uh, working in public, the making of and maintenance of open source software. Mm, very good. Very. It seems like the cover's wearing, but it's which is odd because it just sits down. I my guess maybe that's blood. That would be weird, but no, it's wearing. Um, got this one here. This is a big one. The Dream Machine, which is by this guy uh, Mitchell Waldrop. I started like, uh, but but it's about um, what's this guy's name? Uh, it's about JCR Licklider. And I started like writing a post and then I got into, which led me to like Licklider's vision of human computer symbiosis and stuff like that. So anyway, that's a big book I need to read. And then this one's just for fun, The Making of Prince of Persia, um, which is like one of the funnest video games, like one of the first video games I ever played, I think on my like uh, uncle's Mac you know, Apple IIe. And so I, I think I remember playing it, but it's like a whole dev log on how he like built it. And I just love dev logs. So I thought I'd buy that book and, you know, haven't read any of them. So there you go. Four books I haven't read. <laughs> <laughs> and you read. I read a lot, but I don't read paper books. That's my downfall. I, I do audiobooks, and comic books. It's going to um, be the year of reading for me. I'm going to catch up to you readers. I've been having such a good time. And partially it's you, Dave, killed me with this. Like, I need new information nuggets, you know? Like, you signaled your, like, general unhappiness with just, like, even, like, scrolling Mastodon or something. You're like, oh, man, it's just the same stuff I've been reading for 10 years, you know? Not that it's not interesting all the time, but it's, like, I'm finding more value out of, like, a bigger, deeper thought. 
And that's what a book represents sometimes, especially in any form, and especially nonfiction. You know, it's like somebody really dug in here and has some stuff to say, and it fires my brain up in a in a better way than a little nugget does. Yeah, yeah, that's what I, I enjoy about books is it's not just you know, there, there's some biases, like you know, somebody's trying to craft a narrative, you know, but like, but it's basically somebody set out, spent the time to write you know, 40,000 words or something on something and they go A to Z and then somebody reviews it an editor reviews it <laughs> before it gets published. And then they go and they make it better. And then they, you know, like that just doesn't happen with tweets. It doesn't happen with blog posts. It doesn't happen with your AI generated BS. Like it's just, it's somebody works on it, you know, and makes it better. So, um, that, Oh, my books are all falling. Uh, other <laughs> books. Um, it's like, what was that noise? Um, but yeah, it's like it, books are great. You know, audio books are great. I've been getting value out of the like podcast series, like like kind of investigative journalism over many episodes. So. Right. You know, I looked at a couple of different best podcasts of the year thing. You know, it's just the time of year that that stuff rolls out. There's, there's a good one on the Atlantic. There's a good one on Vulture. And I, and I scroll up and down them. I'm like, I, I haven't heard of hardly any of these, right. you know, maybe two or something. And the ones I've heard of are because they came from lineage of stuff that I already listened to in a way. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like I listened to like, well, I don't know, 99% invisible. And I think they had an episode on the big dig and the big dig was really a, a little mini series. So that's on the list. Yeah. That's cool. You know, uh, but mo- a lot of them, no, no idea. A lot of love for Urza Klein. Need to check that guy out from the times that people really have been loving his stuff. And I did, I did listen to search engine this year, PJ votes new thing. And that got a lot of, oh, okay. got a lot of love. Yeah, he just, he knows what he's doing, you know, but that's it, I guess. Yeah, it's kind of funny. Gimlet got all acquired and then <laughs> really petered <laughs> out, didn't they? Petered out, but then it was just kind of, but you just realize, oh, it's kind of the talent that was there that, you know, and they're off doing other stuff now, but um, it was the talent there that made it good, you know. We'll see, you know, definitely a lot of talk about the sustainability of podcast economically and, and that, which I, I find interesting. But of course, we're, I feel like we're a little detached from all that. Like, I would love for this show to make more money. There'll probably be more ads on it in 2024. Not more, but, you know, remember we used to run two or three per episode? Yeah. I don't know if you, if you all have started listing recently. That is not the case anymore. No, we, it's we, we run one. one if we're lucky. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I'd love to, I'd love to change that and make more money, but we're not trying to run a staff of 10 with the sole income coming from this podcast. Just not where we're at on that one. Right. None of our episodes are taking 12 months of investigative embedded journalism. Yeah. You know? We've never I'm, traveled for the show only, I'd say, ever. I'm not like undercover in a small uh, web shop in Ohio. You know, we're not right. doing that. We're not doing that. <laughs> We're just hopping on microphones. We figured out how to make it sustainable. I give us some credit. We've figured out what's sustainable for us, you know. Mm-hmm. So, and then, yeah, I guess speaking of sustainability, then there's that uh, Envision. A long time, you know. I always think of that app with all the like oh, smart people they hired there. They were almost kind of like the Vercel of design or something for a while. For sure, yeah. So many people went there. They had their own. There was Envision Press too. They published books. They're I got a big some ass of them. Name. Yeah. 
Um, and, and, and it was good. They filled a, they filled a niche for a while. You know, a lot of people thought of it as like the design feedback powerhouse, you know, that's where you go when you're there to, to talk about design and they had design thought leaders for days I never really used it myself, not because it was a bad product. Cause I just didn't have the need to like get, I maybe it was more client work or bigger design teams, something I don't know that I ever even had an account, but I was kind of confused me a little bit. Like, isn't it feels like a Chrome extension or something or like, I don't, I don't even know. It doesn't seem like a 200 person company or whatever it was. Maybe it was even bigger at some time, but then they, that kind of died maybe because mm-hmm. of Figma or something. I don't know. And they turned into this other thing called freehand, which um, that's only my own ignorance. I just have no idea what freehand did. But we had a, we had a sponsor called Miro just at the end of last year that had these infinite canvas boards that you could do all kinds of stuff with. I think there was a good amount of overlap between freehand and Miro, and Miro's who bought them in the end. Oh, really? Okay. Miro wow. bought freehand or Envision or whatever they're called at the end, um, and that's cool. Miro's clearly yeah. popular. Thanks for the support, Miro. This episode not sponsored by Miro, but um, I think they might be back. So they should. We'll they should come back. So, um, yeah, no, that's yeah. It's uh, weird to see how. Uh, yeah, I, I read a bit like um, and talked to people who worked at Envision, kind of like uh, hearing about kind of the collapse there. It was it was interesting. I think they just they they took their market dominance position and tried to Adobe it if you will, you know, and kind of just charge people a bunch of money. And then they, you know, spend a bunch of money to like, kind of find a second album, like, like, uh, that you remember the envision design system manager, or whatever, like you basically, it was like a whole product they tried to get people on. Uh, and then they like released a like sketch competitor as well at one point, And it just never, they couldn't really hook people in, to another product that wasn't kind of their like prototypey machine, you know? So mm. they had this freehand product, you know, but um, yeah. Anyway. That's all right. Companies just, that's, it's, I don't know. It's not like some badge of shame. I don't feel like I don't, uh, as far as, as far as that's concerned, I do think it is occasionally shameful what, what tech companies do burning through money and stuff, but I don't know that they're one of the bad guys or anything. I think they're, they, they, the licensing, strategy they tried was maybe shot themselves in the foot. Yeah. The mm, like sure. the, the enterprise sales funnel sort of stuff. So, but I'm mostly you know, thinking Aaron that, Walter, remember that guy? He's still around. Aaron Super Walter, nice. Guy. Yeah. He's still, I worked with him on a project. We, we did a two years ago worked on, he, he was working at resolve to save lives. I'm not sure if he's still there or not, but it was him and um, Jason San Maria. And they pulled us in and we made a, COVID response dashboard for the CDC of Africa. So that oh. was cool. And Holy crap. Made charts and graphs for Africa's COVID response. And it was educational. So I, I, it was good work. It was fun, but it was also weird. Cause you'd like make a chart, right. And usually you just like ship it, you know, and then figure out what's wrong later. This, you can't do that when COVID so it has to go mm. through a whole epidemiologist review, you know? And so like, you're like, oh, oh okay. yeah. You can't Did be I like, s- oh, this, this chart is, it has a wrong. Close enough. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Close enough. Right. So, yeah. 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 So, it, so unfortunately you have to go slow at a time when the world needs you to go fast. Right. Yeah. It has to be good and right. And uh, so that was, it was a little different, but you know, it's mostly just my unfamiliarity. I'm not like an mm. epidemiologist, so I don't know what, you know, 
whatever terms they have, you know, I forget them now, but just like whatever specific sort of growth or inflection points they're trying to mark and all that stuff. You know, I'm just like, I don't know, number go up bad. So, but they're, they have it different. Well, maybe we'll end here with official question. Ask answer. Simi clerk, big, our old buddy. Nobody's ever sent in more questions than Simi, which please keep doing it. We love you, Simi. Uh, My wife is a journalist but interested in learning web development. Her only experience is using Dreamweaver briefly while studying more than 10 years ago. Do they still make Dreamweaver, by the way? I think it still exists. I think they do still make it. Um, Oh, that's incredible. I wonder what Dreamweaver is like right now. Could you... It looks like it still has like a, a like a you can see it also. Ooh. So does that mean WebKit is busted in there somewhere? Which which one did they use? You know, probably WebKit. <laughs> um, okay, now I, I've distracted myself. Now you're so Simi's asking what what's your recommendation? Yeah, she his wife's using Dreamweaver. What's your recommendation to how to start learning? Uh, how to approach it for learning web development in 2020? For. Yeah, it's not Dreamweaver, I'm afraid. If you're trying to be serious about it, I mean, I, it could be this amazing product, but you're like, you're not going to find, it's like, I don't know, it's like picking the didgeridoo as your instrument in a rock band or something. <laughs> like, it's too niche, you know? Like, you should probably pick the guitar or something to start. Yeah. Um, so, so cool. You know, she wants to learn, uh, you know, uh, there's different kinds of learning. There's the old trial by fire, which I'm a big fan of, which is like, you have something you need to build. So you're going to, you, you just have to go build it. So that's amazing. Having a real project to me, I'll never not have that advice. Like that's the thing that you need because working abstractly too long, it just doesn't stick. It just doesn't feel right, you know? So hopefully you can get yourself in a situation where there is some stakes on the line. You can fake the stakes. The stakes are sometimes, I got a personal site for myself because I think I should have one. Them's the stakes then. That's okay. You've artificially created those and stakes. it has to be out by Saturday. Like set set a artificial stake. So, yeah. Those are good. But... If you do, you don't even know where to start. Well, that then this that's it seems like the stakes could be unachievable. Then it it's not a problem to start with actual educational material. Then, but have your stakes in mind while you're doing it. Go to frontendmasters.com. They have free stuff if you that's your thing, or if you have a budget, just sign up, pay for it, and then you can take whatever course you want. Uh, they generally draw the line where like the, the, the really beginnery stuff they give away for free and the more advanced like get you to be a senior developer stuff is paid. But there's loads of stuff on there that's designed to be educational in that like they'll walk you through stuff and then you just kind of follow it. But while you're doing that, you can have in mind, well, I have these stakes this other thing that I'm trying to build. So even if in that particular project, they're building something else, they're not exactly telling you how to build a personal website, at least in your brain, you can connect the two dots and be like, how would what I'm learning relate to this idea that I have this personal website I'm trying to build? Because there's probably some kind of connection. It just makes the learning a little more valuable, I think. So yeah, there's the the two ways. Provided, you know, course-driven curriculum driven education and and <laughs> just doing it uh i'm gonna go a different route solid js so like she just needs to pick up solid 
boom, okay. like, or spelt kit, just jump in. Yep. Head, head, no, I agree. Just build websites, Solid. have something to build. Uh, I think there's, um, you know, uh, front end masters is great. Uh, Emma Bastian, who's been on the show before, I think, um, she has a CSS course fundamentals. So to, that would be yeah, a good. Yeah, her and, like, and, and Jen Kramer do the, do a lot of the, the CSS stuff and it is comprehensive. Yeah. I mean, I, I your wife is a journalist, right? So she probably has some words laying around, uh, put words on page, uh, words go oh, up. I love internet. that. You know, Love like, it. like stay in the wheelhouse. She, she doesn't need to become a JavaScript, uh, professional. I would, I would just, yeah, get, get some HTML basics, you know, and get those up and going. I mean, you could even do code pen, you know, for, for, to like get started to like build something and see the code output code pen. That's great for that. Really instant gratification. I happen to agree with that. You know, the 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 it's a the stakes are harder to give yourself on CodePen a little bit. They'd be different stakes. You know, like can I build something that gets some likes or something? Or you're just using it because you know you're you just getting the grease in the wheels again. I want to see write code and and then and then change the code and see what it does. Yeah, of course, I think CodePen is good for that. Then the new version of CodePen will be launching this year as even will be better for those kind of like, I'm going to build a kind of a quote unquote real website. It's going to be a little better for that. So, of course, I only think about the future. But yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll always take a CodePen shout out. So thanks, Dave. Well, I just say, you know, she's probably has a, a big corpus of words. Put those inside a CodePen. Now... Make it look cool. Make it look fun. And what you did that ten times, great. Guess what? You got a website. That's a website with a history or whatever. You know, like a, you know, you know, could make a website called Article Graveyard, and it's all the ones that never made it. You know, like that's great. Let's do that or something. You know, there, there's, um, or just her approach to you know a blog, uh, this quintessential get started thing. Start a blog where she just offers, you know. Her approach to being a journalist, I would love to know that, you know, um, like how does your wife, whatever, verify facts? That's a really cool one here in the year 2024 to know how to verify facts. So um, that would be. I love the idea of like do do fancy journalism on it. You know, take something you've already written and just make it like an awesome experience. Oh, man, that's just not done uh, enough. Charles Munger site or what, you know, like Charlie's Almanac, like do that for one of your stories and you are like probably, you know, hireable. Yeah. Yeah. And that's a good thing that you bring up too. Like, what is the point of this? Is it because it's, because it sounds like an interesting hobby, which, uh, you know, I agree that it is, but most people have some like money in mind when they are like, I'm going to get into tech now, I think, especially as an adult. Mm -hmm. is that the plan is money the plan yeah because uh that does have a little bit of a different angle to it not that it doesn't change any of the advice necessarily but it does kind of mean like i don't know maybe you should do the react thing or whatever yeah python react i mean like just you could there's you could go a totally different angle if if that's interesting your wife may be like dude i don't know python and that keeps me up at night she should go learn Python, you know, <laughs> like, please yeah. do, you know, uh, I, I think there's, you know, or just tease out what she enjoyed about it and try to get that going, you know, or what's, 
why why is it something she's interested in and chase that make small projects projects to hit checkpoints is huge so achievable projects you know indeed well good luck simi keep us up to date i'd like to see what happens there you know like what 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 were the goals has it already happened is it how's it going yeah where are they now posted where where did it start how did it start how is it going kind of thing That'd be great. So let me just reiterate, people that made it to the end, in case it has left your mind already, episode 600 is coming up for Shop Talk Show. And we kind of want to know, you know, we've been on the air for 12 years. The web was different back then. Uh, How is it going to be different 12 years from now? What are we going to be talking about? What are going to be the top questions? What's the web going to be like? What's your job going to be in that in that world? Is it going to be really weird? Is it going to be really different? Is the internet still going to be around? Is it going to be largely the same? Are we all know. managers? Are we all farmers? What's going yeah. on? What happens? Yeah. What, what happened to you? Speculate some future. Would love to know. So thank you, dear listener, for speculating the future. We really appreciate it. Uh, follow us on whatever podcatcher of choice that you use. Be sure to start her favorite up. That's how people find out about the show. Uh, leave a review. 2024, leave a review. You know, that's the the old slogan. Uh, and uh, 2024, leave a review at the door. And then... Uh, <laughs> If you want to enter the door, uh, join uh, the Patreon, patreon.com slash shop talk show. That's how you get into the Discord. And that's fun. I really like the Discord. The people in the Discord are great. So, Chris, you got anything else you'd like to see? No. Shoptalkshow.com.